It's that time again. It's time for the Ticket Express Husker Doc Talk Podcast. Good to have you along for another week. I'm Travis Justice, joined as always by the good doctor, former Husker All-American, former Big 8 Co-Athlete of the Year. Yeah, you had to throw the Hoiberg in there, didn't you? <laughs> the one, the only, Dr. Rob Zadisk. What's up, man? How you been? You know, I'm well. Nice and busy. Good busy week at work. That's always a nice Busy thing. week. Did I see a picture of you at Justin Timberlake? Were you getting your groove down at Justin Timberlake? Did I see a picture like that? I, I got to be honest with you. I said this to more than a few people. I might have said this last week. There, there's not a lot of other dudes on the planet that i look at and think to myself you know what yeah i i i, I wouldn't mind being that guy timberlake's one of the few yeah i mean, I mean obviously uh he's very talented the, the the women like him he played for like two and a half hours too didn't he he did that was all actually you know what he went three hours it was a three hour show i think he went on about nine o'clock a three hour show it was a three hour show i think he wrapped up literally it was just at or just a little after midnight i think when when he wrapped up man that's that's a long show i don't know if i could hang around for a three hour show the the guy i gotta tell you though the guy's entertaining it was a good show if you had a chance to call up uh chad and get some tickets it was well worth it of course uh for all the concerts at the century link center make sure to get a hold of TicketExpress.com. chad has great seats to every event whether it's at the century link center in omaha the pinnacle bank arena in lincoln you got the orthium theater in, in omaha you got the holland center in omaha lots and lots of good tickets can be had at ticket express you know some college football news uh, a couple stories that happened during this uh, this week you've got the ncaa meetings going on and there's been a proposed rule change one has to do with targeting, but the the other one I find very interesting is the the almost attack on the hurry up offense. It's being proposed. It's not been approved. It's being proposed that offenses could be penalized five yards if they snap the ball before 10 seconds expires on the 40-second play clock. So basically, you couldn't snap the ball till 29. I think it's asinine. It's a stupid, stupid rule. I don't. I, and what what you're going to hear is it's because of the safety of the defensive players that, they, that there's not enough time to substitute. To me, I think it's it's not like the offense is not out there as well. Too. I mean, those guys are coming out there at the exact same working within the exact same time frame that the defense is. So this isn't one of these things that from a safety standpoint you can look at the defense and say, well, you know what, they're at this incredible disadvantage. You know what, the defensive coaches can look at the exact same down and distance that the offense is is essentially dealing with also – and can make those changes if need be. It's not easy, but they can make those changes if they got to do it. And now, if it's a case, most defenses, when you're playing against a rapid-fire offense, when you're playing against Oregon, usually most defensive coaches kind of have sort of a preset package that they're going to put in there that's going to be a little bit less dependent on the specific down and distance. You're not going to have the heavies in there for third and short you're not going to have the 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 nickel and dime packages for second and third and long you're going to have kind of a sort of a mixed package that you're going to play most of the time against those Oregon type teams and you leave that in 
you've got time to substitute between plays if a guy's tired, which you don't have time to do. And this is where I think coaches don't like playing against these these hurry-up, no-huddle offenses. You don't have time to do a wholesale package switch. You can't switch from a nickel to a dime. You can't suddenly find yourself with a dime defense on the field, but now you're in third and short, and the offense has all of a sudden thrown an extra tight end in there and they're going to run it in a classic power type of play. That That's where the defensive coaches are getting upset here. You can't do the wholesale package substitution, but from a, pip, a player safety standpoint, you know what, if the two defensive ends are getting winded, you send, right as a play's ending, you send two guys in to kick the other two guys out. There's time to do that. It's it's the whole trying to match up specific packages that you can't do. You know, two of the biggest coaches that are uh, are for slowing down the game would be um, Nick Saban at Alabama and Brett Bielema at Arkansas, uh, and they've claimed that the hurry up offenses, uh, you know, basically put their defensive players at a at a, at a safe, risk of at a losing risk of, a game, and that's what it is. They, they say it puts them at risk for an, for an injury. But I, I'm with you. I think it puts them at risk at losing a game. Nick's pissed off about that Oklahoma game where Knight was running hurry up there in the second half, and his defense got tired and basically just couldn't catch up. But again, it, with the hurry up offense, the problem again is not necessarily tiring out a defense. The problem is is that you create package mismatches, and that's the goal. You want to try and get the defense in a situation where they put one single package of players out on the field that may not be appropriately matched to what the offense has at any given point in time, and you try and exploit those mismatches, and you try and prevent the defense from getting, uh, again, a wholesale package substitution on there that's what you're trying to do. There are time, There is time to substitute individual players and get players on if you guys if you've got guys who are tired, if you've got guys who are getting gassed, the guys who are the risk for pulling a hamstring. I mean, that's about the only thing I can think of from an injury standpoint. I just I don't get this rule from a safety standpoint, and I think it's easy to not get this rule from a safety standpoint because player safety has absolutely nothing to do with this proposal. You got coaches like Rich Rodriguez at Arizona, Mike Leach at Washington State. Um, you know a lot of these hurry up coaches that are upset because this was this was not brought up in a previous uh, at the coaches convention because it wasn't being thought of. They 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 feel this rule's kind of been slipped in on them. I don't think it's going to pass. I think there's going to be enough people say and enough coaches rally against this and I heard one coach I think it might have been Mike Leach at Washington State say listen you know everybody's at has an advantage and has a disadvantage uh the advantage the disadvantage for the offense is they have to be set I, I mean defensive guys now, now are you saying the disadvantage of yeah. having a hurry up no, or the disadvantage no, 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 of no, if this no, when rule you li- goes when through. you no, when you line up right now an offensive line has to be set. Players have to, you know, uh, you can set guys in motion, but defensive guys can roam all around. They can go wherever they want to adjust to what an offensive set is. Correct. True. True. And, and that's what they're saying. They say the, the defense can adjust to the, an the, offensive. The defense set. already has that inherent advantage. Yes, I and, got you. And so that's it, what they're saying. So why take away advantage of a the hurry up? Yeah, yeah. The and you know what I and honestly I think that's a very good argument. 
you know what, if you got a chance to catch the defense off guard a little bit, I don't have a problem with that. Hey, have your stuff together on defense. Now, and here's the other thing. You don't need this rule, and the reason you don't need it is think of all the different offensive innovations over the years. I mean, from Don Coriel to Steve Spurrier's fun and gun, run and shoot. I mean, all of these different things that have been out there, that uh, the wildcat, things that at least for a few years seemed like, oh, my gosh, this is going to – I mean, this is – this is a watershed moment in the sport of football. It's like, yeah, you know what? You do something for a few years, and what at one point people thought was going to be a sea change ends up turning around to be a, a case where, you know what? After a while, defenses kind of learn how to deal with these things. And all of a sudden, something that looked like an incredible disadvantage for the defense, you know what? The defense usually learns how to adjust, and in most situations it will. And this is the same thing. You know, right now you got teams like – you know, Oregon is always one of those that I think everybody keeps going back to where they look at and think, you know, this is an offense that absolutely nobody can slow down, unless you're Stanford. Apparently they're smart enough at Stanford to know how to shut that offense down. But, you know what, sooner or later, somebody's going to figure out how to consistently shut down these offenses. Somebody's going to come up with some kind of goofy, Polini-esque bastardized defense that has three down linemen five linebackers and yeah i guess it'd be three defensive backs at that point but you know somebody's going to come up with a system that's going to be some type of hybrid formation on defense that you're not going to have to substitute at much you're not going to have to worry you know less about substitution and more about package substitution Teams will come up with defenses that aren't going to need these package substitutions in order to effectively match up against hurry-up offenses. It's only going to be a matter of time. Historically, there has been no offense in football that sooner or later somebody hasn't figured out how to combat it. If you like what you're listening to here, make sure to listen to the Ticket Express Doc Talk radio show. It takes place on Friday nights at 6 o'clock on 1620 The Zone in Omaha. You can also listen on 1620 thezonecom and the 1620 The Zone digital apps. The funny thing about the rule is that it, it, it would be null and void the last two minutes of each half. So what they're saying is you can run a two-minute offense only in the last two minutes of a game. <laughs> well, and I understand the whole notion. You've got that hurry up. You only have a little bit of time left. I, I like watching some of these teams that run a hurry up offense. And I think it's, like I said before, I think it's asinine to outlaw it just because Kirby Smart at Alabama does not like having to formulate a defense to go against these. I don't know who Bielema's defensive coordinator is, but you know what? If your guy can't figure out how to shut it down, you know, maybe maybe the problem isn't the rules. It's you need a new defensive coordinator. He's Dr. Rob Zadiska. I'm Travis Justice. Good to have you along on the Ticket Express Husker Doc Talk podcast. Uh, of course, we try to do this each and every week. You can listen to it right here on SoundCloud. Uh, Dr. Rob, of course, another big story that happened uh, over the weekend or over the week was Michael Sam, the SEC Player of the Year, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, has come out right before the NFL draft and, and announced that he's gay. Um, I, I don't have a problem with, with, with a gay player. I don't have a problem with uh, an openly gay man in the National Football League. Uh, it's a big story because he's the first to do it. Um, it I know it's a big story, and it should be a big story. Did you did you ever play or know that anybody that you played with that, that was homosexual? 
off the top of my head, you know, you know, I, you, you and I talked about this earlier in the week when the story broke, and you know, I've racked my head, and I, I got to be honest with you, I cannot come up with anybody that I knew for a fact was homosexual, and that's and I, in college and the NFL, college and the NFL. Now, statistically, supposedly somebody was, uh, somebody I played with was. Now, that doesn't mean they were open about it. I, you know, I, I think even you go back to the 90s when I was playing, there was a much, much bigger stigma against it than at that time. And I, I don't know, I, I, I'm with you to a degree on this story that I think it's going to, it's in my mind, it's a non-issue. I, I'm one of those guys where, you know what? If you can play, you can it, play. That's it, If right? you can play, you can play. And, you know, I got to be, it kind of went beyond that because I was... I was one of those guys where you truly put the team first. And this is a situation where if you get a guy on your team, you know, it doesn't matter. A teammate is a teammate is a teammate. And you know what? You stand behind that guy no matter what. And that was the attitude I always had. Now, I, I, I'm not speaking for everybody that I played with. I think most of the guys I played with had that exact same attitude that, you know what, we didn't care what your background is, what you believed in. If you were a member of the team, and if you were a decent person, it didn't matter what any race, creed, background, beliefs, sexual orientation, or whatnot, if you were on the team, that that was reason enough for me to have your back. And like I said, I think most guys I played with had that exact same attitude, both in college and in the NFL. I would find it, you know, and it's it's got to vary from team to team. I mean, the Nebraska teams I played on, the New York Giants teams I played on, tended to be pretty conservative teams, not necessarily, I don't necessarily mean that in what people will call a moral sense, because I think if you've got a teammate and he's a good person, I think the moral thing to do is you back that guy as your teammate. And so I... When I say conservative, you know, you didn't have the crap that you hear about coming out of the Miami Dolphins locker room over the past few months. I would be worried about a homosexual teammate if I was on the Miami Dolphins team right now. The the kind of stuff that you're hearing about coming out of that locker room, I would be really worried. And for by the way, it, it it just wasn't Richie Incognito. There was a lot of other guys, including Jonathan Martin, who was yeah, part of that. It, it was. I don't know what the what the behind the scenes dynamic was down there, but it wasn't very healthy in any in any way, shape, or form. And so, and I guess that's what I mean by a pretty conservative team. I mean, it was a very straightforward locker room. Everybody had everybody else's back. You know, we you can talk about hazing among NFL people it that the hazing we had it was a bunch of the veterans I don't know playing practical jokes on each other but it was always in good fun and everybody understood that now so. it, it came out uh, earlier in the week right after the Michael Sam announcement a, a radio station in Lincoln interviewed former Nebraska kicker Eric Lucian who said he was openly gay when he was on the Nebraska football team and my first response was who's Eric Lucian uh, I got to be honest with you because he played it <laughs> and you and I have the same. So, I mean, it is he it, Alex Henry's backup. <laughs> well, he, you know, he played I would under, relegate him to a lot of bench time. You know, he played under 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 Bill Callahan. This goes back to 2003 up through 2005, I believe it was. Um, and the reason it wasn't a story is because he was he wasn't a 
wasn't he didn't play. I, I mean, he, he, he redshirted, then I think he got injured. Um, so he was never a big part of the team. So even though he was openly gay, it never came out because – well, he didn't have that big of a name, so what well, it would. But at the same time, though, I, I mean, I played with a lot of guys who barely ever set foot on a football field, but they were still on the team, and, and you knew these guys. And in your mind, and in the minds of everybody else on the team, they were part of the team. Yeah. And it's one of these things where, if he was on the team, and he was, and and he was openly gay during the time that he was on the team, and I'm talking about Eric Lucian now. It doesn't sound like there was much of an issue. And there wasn't. Much in the sense that when you talk about – Eric Sam talked about the fact that he came out to his team before this last season and that he played with his teammates as an openly gay player all of this past season. One, it obviously did very little to hinder Michael Sam's play. I mean, the guy got co-defensive player of the year in the SEC – that's no small feat. Number two, it obviously seems like it really didn't cause a whole heck of a lot of discord for the Missouri Tigers as a whole when you look back on the season they had. They had one of the stronger seasons in their school history while playing in one of the t- toughest conferences historically in the nation. Do you think more guys, I, obviously more guys will come out come out of the closet sooner or later. Is it is it better for them to do it in college and prove their worth. Worth is the wrong word. I shouldn't. I shouldn't use that word. But to, to prove themselves or to you know establish that that camaraderie with their teammates in college, and then you know going into the draft or into the NFL that you're homosexual. Or would it be easier to come out when you're already in the league? Man, I don't. I, I gotta be honest with you. I'm kind of a here nor there because that's one of these things. And where, it's hard for two straight guys to have it that is, conversation. Now, now here's the thing. I gotta be honest with you. I don't care if you look at me and go, "There's Rob. He's a straight dude." I don't, you know, I, 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 it's one of these things where sexual orientation to me is a complete non-issue. I just don't care. Well, you know, it's and, like, and if guys do care, I, I got news for them. Uh, if there's a gay guy in the locker room, he's not looking at you going, boy, I want some of that. He's not. He's probably not attracted to you because he knows you're not gay. Are you saying I'm not a good looking guy? No, I think Travis? you're a really good looking okay, guy. Okay, just double checking here. Now, I, I, I agree. I just, it's, we're... Where and when or if you come out, it's a complete non-point to me. And I guess that's it's one of these things where that's something for an individual person to deal with. It's not like, ah, you know what, it's my freshman year at Nebraska. You know what, I made a big decision. I'm going to come out as a straight guy. Now, there tends to be very little stigma against being a straight guy in locker rooms, well, ever. And so it's <laughs> you don't say yeah so <laughs> it, it it's easy for me to say that it, but my point is is that it's not my place to render judgment in my mind on when would be a good time to do it i don't know i i'm not gay but at the same time i don't care you know i'm, I'm thinking of guys i played with and the number one thing in my mind was always a are you on the team then I've got your back. Number two, are you a nice guy? You know what? Well, there, there were guys you, who you, I who's, you, you I got to be honest. A very good point. There were guys who I would never invite over for dinner ever. You bring up a good point. But I would I would fight to the bitter end for them on the football field because they were my teammates. But you, but you bring up a good point in the fact that you know if a guy's gay, he's going to take you know a beating over it 
because the question is manhood. Well, he might, he might but, not. But, 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 but I think some people, because there's always a part of In society. In some locker rooms, yeah. they're going to. But, but, but yet, some guys that would hit women, beat women, drag them downstairs will get drafted. The guys that do drugs get drafted. Uh, you got really bad individuals, bad human beings that get yeah, drafted. Yeah, and I'd be the first to tell you. I mean, there, there's, there's kind of a hierarchy here in terms of yeah. what are bad things. And, and I hate saying that there's stuff that bugs people in general. There's stuff that doesn't. And, you know, they're... I mean, I had buddies who tested positive for controlled substances, performance-enhancing drugs. You didn't really hold that against guys no. as much. Now, it's not saying I condone it, and it's not saying I would ever do it. I never did. I wouldn't do it. If I went back and could do it all over you again, I still wouldn't do You were a biology major. You just it. do the right foods to eat. Yeah, I kind of did, actually. <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's one of these things where... When it come, when it gets down to that, I mean, there's stuff you condone and stuff you don't, and I think homosexuality is something that I think the majority of people, when it comes to athletic teams, they just don't care. You know, think it's the whole Hollywood acting thing. You know what? This, this was a big deal 25 years ago in Hollywood or in the music world. Now nobody cares. And that's what it's going to be. I hope it doesn't take 25 years. I don't think it's going to take 25 years. It may take I, another five years. Not even that long. Once once, once people get used to this with Michael Sam, it's going to be a year, and then we're just not going to care. He's Dr. Rob Zadiska. I'm Travis Justice. Make sure to listen to the Doc Talk Radio Show on 1620 The Zone in Omaha, Friday nights at 6 o'clock. We'll be back next week with another Ticket Express. Husker Doc Talk Podcast.